0: You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, Locked On Horn Frogs, let's hit the ground running on a Thursday. Stephen Simcox here with you. Appreciate you joining me. Uh, this is your daily TCU podcast. In segment two, I want to hit on, I stopped down and locked into. Uh, The TCU women's basketball team last night as they unfortunately fell to Tulane on the road in double overtime but had some impressions from that game and just getting a a look at them for the first time this season in a complete game setting like that. And, um, yeah, so we'll we'll hit on that later. But I want to start with the TCU coaching search. And I know, like, this is a daily thing at this point, and I I don't want it to become a beatdown. But to me, it's just the most intriguing aspect of TCU athletics right now is who they're going to hire next to take over for Gary Patterson and try to continue the success here. Um, so, But I, I want to focus on what's going on with LSU and how that might affect the TCU coaching search uh, at this moment. So LSU, that job's open at the end of the year. They came out uh, midseason, and Ed Orgeron is coaching out the rest of the year, but the two sides had come to a separation agreement that would take place after the year was over. Um, so we're barreling towards that right and they're going to get a new coach that is a very very good job um, you could argue LSU is a top five job in the nation just from what you can do with it the resources there the recruiting ground it's very fertile in Louisiana you can dip into Houston dip into Texas all those things I don't need to explain that um, to college football fans I think most people understand that so this is a pretty coveted gig and they're taking some big swings I mean their list is not only current head coaches but I would say it's like current head coaches that are elite, that have shown a history of winning. The top three, reportedly, are Lincoln Riley, Mel Tucker, and Jimbo Fisher. So Mel Tucker is doing a fantastic job in Michigan State. They've lost one game all season, got upset by Purdue, but they beat Michigan earlier this year. Big game for the Spartans coming up against Ohio State this weekend. They have a chance to play in the Big Ten title game. Um, and if they win the Big Ten, possibly a chance to sneak in the college football playoff. So he's doing a a fantastic job. He was at Colorado before that. And yesterday it leaked out that Michigan State and Mel Tucker were working on an extension. Ten years, $95 million. So they are trying to lock Mel Tucker up, get him paid. Of course, the thing with extensions doesn't mean there is absolutely 0% chance that that guy could still move on? I guess not, but it effectively kind of ends the discussion. It's twofold. One, it increases the buyout, so it makes it more expensive for whatever school is trying to poach that particular coach to make that move. And then it's also just a, from a PR perspective, it's a public kind of, hey, we're committed to this guy. He's committed to us. Don't come sniffing around here. Like, there's nothing to see. There's nothing to do. We're happy together. Don't mess with it. So it seems like Mel Tucker's off the board. Uh, Lincoln Riley, there's been no extension announced, but I saw that Bruce Feldman yesterday, there's been a lot of rumors that Lincoln would be interested in the LSU job. We talked about this on the Big 12 Roundtable on Wednesday. Bruce Feldman said on uh, Wednesday that he's, you know, he's seen these rumors as well but he doesn't think there's any chance And Lincoln leaves Norman. John Williams, the Locked On Sooners host, is also very, very confident there's zero chance Lincoln leaves Norman. Uh, and I said yesterday on the roundtable, if you want to check that out, you can. It's in the podcast feed. I think LSU, if we're just stacking the jobs, I think LSU is a better job than Oklahoma. So I wouldn't be necessarily just shocked and blown away if Lincoln said, you know what, I want to go take this challenge in the SEC, even though the Oklahoma's moving to the SEC soon. But OU's a fantastic job. Like, I get it. I, I would be, I wouldn't, I mean, it's, he, there are a bunch of reasons for him to stay there. I think LSU is a slightly better job, but he's also doing a great job at Oklahoma. The NFL has come calling at times, and he is, you know, apparently stayed pretty steadfast, stayed pretty confident, and put there in Norman. So I think he probably stays. And that seems to be the general consensus right now. So all these things could change, but it appears right now that it's it's uh there's not it's becoming a longer shot that either Mel Tucker or Lincoln Riley would be there at LSU. Jimbo Fisher's name has also come up. And you know, Jimbo uh Texas A and M, they don't have a buyout on that contract. There's no <laughs> there's no financial commitment to get him out of there. Um and Jimbo has denied any interest in the LSU job um, you know when coaches talk about jobs I just always kind of assume they're lying and that's not a character indictment on one specific coach that's just in my history of watching these things play out nobody says they're interested in the gig that they end up taking but they still end up taking it however um, Jimbo really seems content at AM. now of course we're I'm seeing this from a 100-foot view, right, because I'm not up close and personal with him. I don't know him. But he does seem really satisfied there right now. They've got a big recruiting class coming in this year. Like, they're third in the nation for the 2022 class behind uh, Alabama and Georgia. They're getting better. I think if, if Haynes King would have stayed, could have stayed healthy, this team could be challenging for the SEC West right now. Um, it's fun to make jokes about the Ags. And they give us plenty of content, but this marriage is seeming to work. Now, I mean, have they ultimately got over the hump? No, not really. They beat Alabama this year, but they're still not in the mix to win a conference title. But it it appears like they're building something there, and I would be pretty surprised if he left. So why did I lay out all this on the LSU coaching search for you? Well, here's the point. If the Tigers strike out on all those guys, then another name on their list is Billy Napier. Now, some other names have come up. I saw Shay uh, Dixon, who works for 247. He mentioned Dave Aranda, who's a former defensive coordinator there. He's now a Baylor. I would be a little surprised if they went that way just because Dave – well, actually, I'd be a little surprised if Dave went that way just because his personality doesn't seem to really fit. The coaches they've had in the past. But I think you certainly call him, and you try to gauge the interest and see what's going on because he's done a, a really good job this season. But if if LSU shifts their focus to Billy Napier and you suddenly have a competition, TCU and LSU for this guy, then that's that's a pretty dicey proposition for the Frogs. And listen, I think TCU's a great job. Like I, I think there's a lot of potential here. I don't feel like there's a lot of schools. You know, Virginia Tech, that came open yesterday. And there were some folks that said Billy Napier was supposed to be the guy there. And, like, that doesn't scare me. I think TCU can go toe-to-toe with Virginia Tech easily. And I think TCU can go toe-to-toe with just about anybody from a resources and commitment perspective. It's just the cachet of, you know, being the coach for the LSU Tigers. I don't know how much that appeals to Billy Napier. He has been described as an SEC guy. He worked under Nick Saban. But we also don't know a lot about this dude. Like, he's turned down a few jobs. He turned down South Carolina. He turned down Vandy. And people were sort of shocked by that because they were SEC jobs. But also say, like, in my mind, that's pretty smart because who wins at South Carolina? Who wins at Vandy? You know, Derek Mason made the Texas Bowl a few years ago. And then they sort of went back into Vandy mode and were 3-9 and nine and 4-8, and eight, and he got canned. I think Shane Beamer is a good coach. But he's had a very up-and-down season at South Carolina. It's mostly been down. Those are just tough places to win. Spurrier's really the only person that's been able to have consistent success at at South Carolina. So I don't know what he wants, but I know LSU's a really good job. And competing with them would be difficult just in in a vacuum, right? But Brandon Marcello wrote a piece last year, in 247, about what Billy Napier values and why he turned down those jobs. And he, he wants he wants to model his programs that, like Nick Saban did with big, huge support staffs where everybody has a role, where every single aspect of the program is supposed to work together for the common goal. And that takes a lot of commitment from a financial perspective, from a resource perspective. And I feel like TCU is willing to do that. And if that's their guy, I hope they can sell him on that. But I will say... <laughs> The more LSU strikes out on some of these big names, I think the more their focus turns to Coach Napier down there in their backyard. But we'll see. We'll see how that plays out over the next few weeks. We'll take a break when we come back. uh, I want to break down TCU women's basketball from Wednesday night. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. Okay, Locked on Horn Frogs, daily TCU podcast. So yesterday evening I got locked into – TC Women's Basketball, they had a really good game against Tulane. Now, unfortunately, they fell in double overtime, 88-78, to so the final score was not particularly close. But the Frogs rallied from a 10-point deficit uh, to tie the game and send it to OT, a 10-point halftime deficit, excuse me. Lauren Hurd was fantastic. She had 23 points, not a great shooting night, 8-25 from the field, so not super efficient. But she was able to score and scored some big buckets late. Uh, And, you know, outside of her, though, it was kind of a tough night scoring-wise. Tavi Diggs had 15. She um, had a better night shooting. She was 6 of 14. She made some moves in the paint. Asia Holmes had 13. She had a huge three late in regulation to give TCU the lead. Um, So missed opportunities in this one. Patricia Morris got fouled with one second left, and she went to the line for TCU, and she had a chance to make two free throws and give the Frogs a one-point lead. Unfortunately, she split those free throws. She made the front end, missed the back end uh, of that, and then it was tied, went to overtime. And then in the first overtime, um, had the ball a couple times late with chances to score and take the lead and just couldn't do it. Tulane also had a really long possession at the end of regulation where they missed a couple shots, and TCU just couldn't secure the rebound. They had a couple fouls, and... Sort of let that thing get away from them. So they're now one and one on the season. Moon Urson from Tulane, she had 28 points. Uh, She has a Baylor transfer. um, And Tulane's a good program. So an unfortunate loss on the road for TCU. You know, this team is looking to bounce back from a tough season last year. Um, My thoughts from last night, they, they still seem to really struggle to score when Lauren Hurd is not making things happen. And Again, she had a good night from a from a points perspective, 23 points, but a tough night shooting. Tulane made it tough on her. She was 8 of 25. Um, her jump shot was not really falling. Most of her buckets were inside the paint. Now she had some big some big buckets late um, that kind of kept them in that game, but she just couldn't consistently find a way to get to the rim. And, and other than that, I mean, Tavi Diggs had some nice moves inside. Um, Asia Holmes hit a couple threes, but they just they really don't. You hope this grows as the year goes on, but this was a big problem last year. They just simply don't have shot creators outside of Herd. It feels like it's really kind of pulling teeth on offense. Now, they get after you defensively. They do that really well. I think they play good team defense. They're disciplined, and they don't make a lot of mistakes. They rebounded the ball pretty well last night, except for uh, you know the last couple possessions of regulation, which... Unfortunately, gave Tulane a chance, you know, late in that game. But I, I'm hopeful for this group. I hope they can sort of bounce back. A couple of years ago, they were they were a lock to make the tournament. They were sitting there as like a five seed, ready to go. Um, they had a really good team that I think could have made some noise in the NCAA tournament, but COVID canceled everything, and they couldn't play. You know, they didn't even really get any conference tournament games in. Last year was, was tough. Um, it was just a tough season all around for them. Really couldn't get anything going. Lauren Hurd back for another season. Great scorer, great player. Can she get some help on the offensive side of the ball? Because if she can, if you can get some more um, players there that can take some of that scoring load off of her, move the ball a little bit better, then I think the, the way they play defense, the way they kind of get after you and make things happen on that end of the floor you could potentially have a really good team, but you just you have to have um, more scoring from some of those role players, and just didn't get that last night, especially in that second overtime. Could not find a way to get a bucket in, in you know that second extra period, which a lot of that might be just fatigue, and I'm sure Tulane was tired too. But maybe being at home, there's a little bit more of a boost. It's it's hard when you're playing um, you know in the 50th minute of a game. Uh, to, to get your shots up and your legs are kind of dead and they were settling for a lot of jump shots. So tough loss for TCU women's basketball. We'll see if they can bounce back as the year goes on. We'll take one more break here and then we'll wrap things up on Locked on Horn Frogs. All right, uh, final segment here on Locked on Horn Frogs on a Thursday edition. Just a couple of reminders. Tomorrow, TCU soccer, they take on Princeton in round two of the NCAA tournament. That game is going to be in New Jersey, Rutgers is the host site. Uh, they are the one seed in this bracket. So TCU trying to potentially get a matchup with the Scarlet Knights um, on their home field later on with a chance to, to move on and get into the Final Four. We'll see how that plays out as the weekend gets going. And, of course, Saturday, TCU in Kansas. Um, still not a lot of clarity on who's going to play for the Frogs. I think Chandler Morris ultimately makes the start, even though I know he's limited in practice this week. But uh, still, an outside chance to make a bowl game. You gotta win this game to give yourself a chance to be, you know, in the mix for bowl consideration. And hopefully, that's the motivation for this TCU team as they move forward throughout the season. This has been Locked On Horn Frogs. Thank you for tuning in today. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.